Good morning. I think if you're a regular attender of this church, you're probably thinking, man, where is Pastor Corey? Get this guy out of here. Um, Pastor Corey will be back at the latter part of this month. So until then, you will have to endure with me. Okay, connection cards. If you uh, have your, open your bulletin, you'll find a connection card, this blue and white card. And this is a card that you can fill out. And especially if you're first time, we would really love to have uh, some information we can connect with you. And I'll be honest, I'm, I fall behind a little bit on how fast I can connect with you. But uh, it's, a, it's a time for you can fill this out and... Got things on the back if you'd like to check some things, but uh, we'd like to welcome you if you, this is your first time here, second time here, and, and uh, may the Lord bless you in this service and through your contact with his family. But uh, if you can just fill this out to whatever degree you like. And know that we do pray. When you put down a prayer request, we definitely pray for you. Uh, I know that a lot of you are facing different things. A lot of you have, have relatives or friends that are facing different things. And so, you know, we do pray for you. So please uh, know that. And uh, may the Lord just bless you as you write things down. As you're doing that, I'll just catch you up on some things. Uh, Food and fellowship today, naturally. We also have the gathering, which is our college young adult group. That will start today at 2 p.m. Is that correct? No no changes here? 2 p.m., college young adult? Okay. And also, the West Covina Bible Study, we would normally meet tonight. I'm sorry, but because of Mother's Day, we are canceling the West Covina Bible Study for tonight. So if you're planning on going to the West Covina Bible Study, I'm sorry. Go kiss your mother. Okay? I don't know about you guys, but it feels kind of like the dead zone in Los Angeles area, in Southern California, because... Lake, there, there's no sports going on that connect with us, you know? I think it's kind of exciting. The Rams are back. I remember the Rams way back when they were in the Coliseum. You know, I went to see them in the Coliseum one time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of neat that they've come back. Let's hope they have a good season. You know, let me ask something. I, ha- I'm, I have time today. You know, the, some of you have been following this fire that's going on in Canada. Do any of you know anyone that has been personally uh, involved or affected by this fire in Canada? No? I know we have some Canadians here. I know I'm back there from Canada. And uh, so, you know, just want to be mindful of just what's going on in the world and, and if there's any possible way we can be of some, some, uh, some help to anyone in, in, a, in a real special need time. Okay. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, what we're doing, is we're continuing in our, in, our, in our series that is titled From Hero to Zero. Remember we, are, we did four characters in the Bible that, that basically talked about from zero to hero. And basically those lives... Uh, actually gave principles and gave us examples of how people made right decisions and, and, and had faith. And God put them in the place he wanted them to be. Now that we're in this, now we flipped it and we're gone from zero, um, from hero to zero, realize that the characters that we're looking in the Bible now hopefully are presenting principles also to you, but also giving examples of maybe decisions maybe lack of faith, maybe, maybe uh, things that were done that actually dragged people down 
where once they were up here and they get dragged down. You know, whether, you know, and you can maybe relate to this, to whether it be your work or your school, or your family life or whatever, but there, there are principles all through the Bible that God wants us to adhere to. And when we do, we live that life he wants us to live that in many cases is called the abundant life. So let's look at John chapter 6. I'm just going to read a couple of verses because we're going to talk about a person in the Bible that's very well known to many of you, especially if you've been in God's word for a while. Look at John chapter 6, verse 70 and 71. 70 and 71. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. And he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word and we look at the life of Judas, Father, we, uh, it is, uh, in some ways, it's just mind-boggling when we think that uh, he was one of the chosen Yet, Father, we know that, uh, that you have your plan. And, Father, may we learn your lesson through this. Speak to each one of us. We are all in different places, Father. We are facing different challenges. We are facing different times in our life. But, Father, your word uh, speaks to all. So speak to us and teach us your lesson today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I hope you guys don't get tired of it. You know, a lot of times when I think of illustrations, these illustrations come to me from my time in Brazil. And uh, when my wife and I went to Brazil in our early stages, in the very beginning, we studied the language of, of, of Brazil, which is Portuguese, for nine months. Then after nine months, we were sent to a, a what they call a, a nostalgia, or it was a kind of a, a ministry just for you to use your language and be used in, in, in the ministry of, of the church. And we went there for church planting. Well, when we got to, we were sent off to this city called San Luis. If you looked at a map, it's on an island off the coast of Brazil. And there uh, I was put under the supervision of a Brazilian pastor, experienced man. His name was Pastor Abidurao. And Pastor Abidurao and I would meet every month. And he kind of helped me value. He'd, he'd, he'd hear about how things are going in the church I was pastoring. Then he'd kind of give me some guidance or, com- or you know, kind of build me up in the things I'm doing right and maybe tweak me in the things and correct me in the things I'm doing wrong. Well, everything was going fine. And, and one time I was with a bunch of missionaries, and one of them came up to him and said, Is your mentor Pastor Abidurao? And I said, Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then they started to tell other people. And I found out that this guy was kind of a spiritual rock star for, for his church denomination. This guy, he was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was shorter than me. He was portly. He was bald, white-haired, about in his, in his 70s, you know. But this guy was just a spiritual legend. I mean, hundreds of people came to know Jesus through him. He had a godly wife and godly children, and, and he was just known throughout the whole region of the Amazon there. And I was his disciple. It was so cool. Missionaries come and go, but man, people knew my name, at least my first name. And, 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 and this is the guy who's mentored by Pastor Abidurao. You know, today we're going to look at Judas. And when I say Judas, what comes to your mind? See, many of you, the first thing that comes to your mind is that he betrayed Jesus. 
But before that, we have to realize that this man, before he did that act of betrayal, he was a very elite disciple of Christ. He was one of the hand-picked. He was one of the 12. He was one of the ones that that God chose to, to get the ball rolling for the church age. He was very special. And today we're going to continue, like I said in this series, of talking about someone who has gone from hero down to zero. And Judas is our person today. He was the chosen. But in doing so, what we're going to do today, I want you to understand, like I mentioned, we're going to look at examples of human weakness. And everyone has weakness. Everyone here has a, has a weakness. And, and one of the key things we're going to find as we study human weakness in Judas is one of the key things is that you acknowledge it. You, you understand it, you acknowledge it, and then God will help you with it. So let's move on. Let's get into this you know, and look at, at this weakness of Judas because we know that our human weakness is kind of like our Achilles our Achilles heel, you know. It's, it's like that breach in our wall. It's like that, it's like that weak spot that we have. And, and the thing that we're going to see in the life of Judas, it is the area most likely that Satan will attack you. He will use that in a way that could disrupt your marriage. It could, it could, it could affect your work environment. It could break relationships. It could cause financial ruin. So let's go. Let's get into this. Let's look at the chosen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. You want to look at Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to read five verses here. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out. Now, the thing you have to understand when we get to the text here, and and it's pretty prestigious when you think about it, that these are the ones, these are the individuals who were chosen. Now, think of one of your relatives was in this lineup. Ah, you'd be pointing that out to people all through the church, right? You know, this is, this is a time in Jesus' ministry when it was, was kind of approaching the peak of his ministry. In other words, Jesus was really just, 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 just attracting people wherever he went. It reminds me of this, this quote that John Wesley said, and I've used it before. You know who John Wesley is? John Wesley is the founder of Wesleyan the- theology, but also a better known as the, as the founder of the Methodist Church. And John Wesley said this. He said, Catch on fire with enthusiasm, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. 
Well, that's really studly, isn't it? <laughs> but, that, but that is where Jesus was. Jesus was just attracting people wherever he went. He preached and he taught and he healed throughout all these different areas. Now I'm going to look at a map. He went out through Galilee. He went to Jerusalem, Judea, across the Jordan River. You know, it's a huge area. Let's see. Can you guys see this? Do you guys see? You guys can't even see. Can you see that? Oh, good. See, this is Syria. He went all through Syria. He went down here, went all through Galilee. Then it mentions down here that he went where? Where is, do you guys see it? Where's Jerusalem? Oh, there it is. Jerusalem all through Judea, right here. So look at this huge area Jesus was ministering to. He avoided Samaria right there, but he was right there, up and through this area here, and all through Judea, down here. So because of his ministry in such a large area, he had contact and his name was well known and and people were flocking to him right and left. And the 12, the 12 that I just read about, they were kind of like his entourage. And you got to always remember that these guys were with Jesus 24-7. The ministry of Jesus lasted approximately three years, really closer to two and a half. But these guys are with him for, for that time and, and, and not only his, you know, just not only his ministry time, but all the time. And sometimes I think about this, I would have loved to have been there just in some evening when all the dust clears and maybe they're sitting around a campfire and they're just reviewing how the day went. That would have been just so incredible. But their relationship, think about this. And I say this because I'm trying to get you to understand where Judas fits in here. The relationship is kind of like the chemistry that we have for firemen. Any firemen here? We got any firefighters here? You know, when you interview for a job with the fire department, at that initial interview, they don't care if you can carry a hose. They don't care if you can climb up a ladder three floors or three stories. One of the things they're most concerned about on that initial interview is your personality, is who you are. Can you live and work and fit in with the firehouse family? See, you're, you're with, that's, that's your, that, that's, your work environment is you are living with these guys. And a lot of times when I think of the, of the 12 disciples, they had to live together, and they had to have that oneness together. And one of the keys, if, if you've ever been in management, you know that one of the keys is that you surround yourself with good people, that you surround yourself with quality people who can do the job, but also... Do it with others. To work together with others and enjoy doing it. That's really one of the keys to success. Whether you're running an office or, or, or whether you're in, in some organization or even in a church. It's surrounding yourself with good people, quality people. People who can get the job done and enjoy doing it together. And I'll just share with you, I'm very blessed because we have that chemistry in this church. I'm very blessed by that. But let's go on. But did Jesus know? Think about this. These 12 fit in together. But did Jesus know that Judas was the guy who was going to, was going to betray him? What do you think? Certainly he did. 
Sir, sure, Jesus knew that. So why did he go along with it? We know the answer, God's will. Jesus knew that Judas being there was a part of God's plan, God's will. If we look at Matthew 26, 39, remember Jesus before he was arrested, after he was in the upper room receiving, uh, sharing with his disciples the bread and the juice. And we imitate that in our, in our Lord's Supper, our communion time. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he just cried out to the Lord. The Bible says he actually sweat blood, which means that his, 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 his capillaries or something under his skin burst, and he has such high stress. And, and he's just crying out to God. And he's saying, God, Father, if you can take this cup of suffering from me. But then he ends with this, 2639, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Judas in all his deceit and all his treachery, played a really key part in God's plan and God's timing for Jesus to be right there in Jerusalem, right at the right time, to be what? The Passover lamb for the world. To die on Passover and to be put on that cross on Passover to pay the price for our sins for the whole world. Perfect timing. Let's go on. So here's Judas in this, this, this elevated position as one, of, as one of, uh, of the Lord's 12. But let's go on. Let's talk about the foothold. Let's look at Luke chapter 26. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 22. I have to find it myself. I got so many different markers here. I don't know which one it is. You know, I'm so glad I know the Bible, just a little, I, I digress a little bit. I remember when I first went into a church when I was younger, I've shared this with people, I didn't know a Bible, I never, had a, I never had a Bible in my hand in my whole life, and I sat in this church Sunday school class, and the teacher asked me to look up a verse, and I couldn't do it, so I just started in the beginning, and just started flipping, looking for that name, and he called me to read, and I didn't have it. And I was so embarrassing, I never went back to church. Get this place. So, but now I know my book. Okay? Cool. Luke, chapter 22. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Paul was was the one who started the church in in Ephesus. And he wrote to to the, the church there when Timothy, I believe, was a pastor. And he wrote these words. And do not give the devil a foothold. What in the world is a foothold? 
if you look at it, it simply refers to some place or some ledge, some secure place that you can step on and, and get you forward, to move forward. It's, it's a place where you step and you can advance, advance forward to get to do what you need to do. It's kind of like a starting point. It's kind of like an open door. See, Judas had a weakness that Satan, under God's permissive will, used as a foothold to tempt Judas to do evil that would lead to Jesus' crucifixion. And that weakness was money. See, Judas' weakness was money. See, the Bible is very clear about money. It's very interesting. The Bible has a lot of different verses, and you can't just take one. And this is one of the faults of a lot of people, especially people who try to use the Bible for their own purposes. But you can't take one verse and say, this is God, this is the Bible, stand on it. Because there may be many verses on that topic. Take, for example, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. Paul wrote this to Timothy, the young pastor who was in Ephesus at the time. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root for all kinds of evil. Now realize when you hear this, it sounds, oh, it sounds pretty negative toward money, but really this is not a teaching against your job promotion. This is not a teaching against investments. This is not a teaching about bettering your life. It is not. Because look at, let's look at something else. Let's look at another verse that the Bible has about money. And this is out of Solomon. Solomon wrote this, Ecclesiastes 10.19. A feast is made for laughter, And wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. Kind of flips around, huh? See, first of all, let's think about this. The first verse from 1 Timothy is talking about love. And we know that love is probably the strongest human emotion that a human being can feel. Love motivates people to do things even beyond themselves. And when a person has a love for money, or let's say a person has a love for something that's other than the things of God, it has a tendency to push everything else to the side. When you have a love for something, it could push your relationships with the people you you, you love aside. It could push your priorities of other things aside. It can even push God aside. So love, know that's a powerful thing. And the Bible is saying, if you love money, watch it, watch it, you're in danger. Because a lot of negative things can come out of that. But the other verse, Ecclesiastes 10.19, says, Money is the answer for everything. Tell me, is money the answer for everything? No, of course not. But let's get realistic about this. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you're healthy. But if you got money, it helps. Isn't that the truth? Yes, it does. So come on, let's keep everything balanced, right? When you read the Bible and you hear verses, keep it all in balance and understand that there's a lot of different teachings. And, and, and you know, some people read that first when they see all these crazy fanatical Christians. They don't, they don't like money and they, they're always asking for it. You know, <laughs> whatever. You know, but know that God's word is a practical word for us. It's practical. God understands the life we live. 
Let's go on. Let's go on. Here we have these teachings, but you know what the key is? When it comes to money, and we're talking about Judas's weakness was money, the key the Bible teaches is to be content. That's the key. Paul says, you know, I don't care if I got abundance. I don't care if I'm in, I'm in need. I have learned to be content. And I thought about this for myself. I, you know, when I was in high school, I've shared this with you before. I used to work, when I was in high school, I started working very early. I used to work 23 hours a week, uh, uh, every week in high school. And because I worked 23 hours a week, I always had money. You know, when, we go, when I go out with a bunch of guys and we're, we're going to grab something to eat, man, they're counting their change and their pennies and trying to get some money, money to get for fries and burger or something like that. I always knew I had money. I never had to think about it. I always knew I had enough money in my pocket. Okay. That's one time in my life. When my wife and I, <laughs> when my wife and I went to Brazil, the, the peak of our salary, the peak of our salary scale we were making $700 a month. That was the peak of our salary scale, 700 American dollars a month when we were in Brazil. But because there was very little we could even do in Brazil, we always saved. Every month we were able to save, even though our, our, our income was $700 a month. And so, you know, I thought about that and I said, yeah, that's really the key thing, is that the being able to be content and to receive what you have and, and appreciate it and know that God is the giver of all good things. See, that was the problem with Judas. Judas was not content. And we can easily say that he had a love for money. Remember the story of Mary? Remember Mary, if you, if you know their Bible stories, remember Mary, to honor Jesus, she took this expensive perfume and she, she poured it all over Jesus' feet. And with her hair, she wiped his feet with her long hair. This is what happened. This is the, the, what the Bible says about that, that situation in John 12, 5 through 6. This is what Judas said when he saw that. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Then it says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. In other words, Judas was this cheating, stealing treasurer for the Lord. The Lord, you know, as a ministered from town to town, sometimes people would give a donation to the Lord, and they say, you know, Jesus, you know, well, I just want to support your ministry, so they give a donation, and Judas was a treasurer for his group. So Judas was the one who received money, and this text is saying that on times, Judas would just liberally take from that for himself. And it takes a pretty hard heart to do that when you think about it. Let me ask you, has money ever caused you to do something that you shouldn't have? Has money ever caused you to change your attitude towards someone? Has money ever caused you to look back with a little bit of shame? See, money's one of these tough ones. It's something that we need, right? But don't give the devil a foothold. And the more you understand whatever your weakness is, 
the more you understand that, the greater chance you have of steering away from that temptation to do something you wish you hadn't. And the Bible talks about two ways to help us to stand tall, two ways to help us to combat against temptation. The first one is God's word. Remember, remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? He always, Satan said, well, why don't you do this, Jesus? Why don't you do that, Jesus? And Jesus always responded with scripture. He always responded with, with God's word and promise. When we look at Hebrews 4.12, let me read that for you. Hebrews 4.12. It's a really a great verse. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And we know, you know, that's the key thing, is judging the heart. You know, we don't go by what people say. You know, words can be cheap. But when, when you, we talk about the heart, that is the command center for your life. That's who you really are. And the Bible is saying, what God's word is telling us, is that when we continue to read God's word, it starts to reveal our heart. And sometimes what we see, we don't like. But that's good. We got to see it. Because that's the problem that Judas had. He didn't see it. He didn't recognize. He didn't want to. But this is a promise that's saying as long as we keep reading God's word, God's word is going to reveal to us who we really are and help us understand our weaknesses. Now, the second thing, the second way that the Bible says that, that we're helped to resist temptation is our self-control. Now, maybe you're saying, what? Maybe you don't have self-control. One of my favorite sayings is that I love to eat like a high schooler. You know what that means? That means I don't care what I eat. I eat everything, you know? And I can't do that very often. But once in a while, I'll just go nuts and I'll do that, okay? I'll order two orders of fries instead of one. Uh, I'll put on chili on it. No, I shouldn't do that, you know? So that's, that's really going crazy, okay? Well, self-control is just the opposite. We know that, right? And so... The Bible tells us that self-control is one of the keys for you to live the life God wants you to live. One of the best examples that I know of is is the example of Joseph, uh, the life of Joseph. It's just one case. Joseph, and remember Joseph was the son of, of Jacob, and he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And he was a slave in the house of this Egyptian uh, military leader named Potiphar. And Potiphar was very well respected and had this great household and a house full of servants. And, uh, uh, but Potiphar had this wife named, um, well, didn't even mention his name, but Potiphar's wife was very active. Okay? She was pretty promiscuous, to say the least. And so she thought Joseph was, was pretty cool. And uh, so one day when all, let me just read the text. This is, this is out of the life of Joseph. It says, One day we went in, he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She, Potiphar's wife, caught him by his cloak and said, 
come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in, his hand, in her hand and ran out of the house. Rejected. Okay. Picture that. Can you picture that? And this woman has this guy's clothes in her hand, and he is gone. He's history. He's boom. He's, he's bolted. Okay. What is that an example of? When you see temptation, you run. Take, for example, what is your weakness? Maybe your weakness is anger. When you start to get anger starting to build up inside of you, you've got to do something about it. I remember I had, I had a missionary friend. She was a, a missionary in India. And she was high up. She was a, 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 a doctor. And she was on the board of an Indian hospital. And she was the only foreigner on this hospital board. And she said there were meetings where they were so ill, so frustrating, she would just have to stop herself from just yelling. And because she, she didn't want to show her disrespect to these men, these other doctors. And so what she'd do is she'd excuse herself, and she'd go to the restroom. She'd turn on the water, and she'd put her hands under the water, and she'd just rub her hands under the water like this. And she did this until she calmed down. And after she calmed down, she turned the water off, She'd go back into the, the boardroom and she'd continue with the meeting. But she understood that was a weakness for her and she did something about it. Maybe your weakness is that you go to the wrong places on the computer. If that's true, then when you see, that, when you start thinking thoughts of going to that wrong place, you've got to just shut down that computer. When you're going to see this person that maybe you shouldn't have the attraction you should, that you have for that person, then you've got to turn away from that. See, that's what we're talking about, and that takes self-control. It takes self-control to do that. What does Galatians 5.22 say? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, Gentleness and self-control. See, the, how is fruit produced? Fruit is produced when the fruit is attached to the vine. Okay? Let's see if the fruit isn't ready and you cut it away from the vine. It's not going to grow anymore. But fruit is actually produced as it's attached to the vine. And that tells us that when we as Christians want to produce good fruit, we've got to stay attached to the Lord. You've got to have a healthy, connected spiritual life. If you don't have a healthy, connected spiritual life, realize what we talk about here, the fruit of the Spirit, is not going to be that evident in your life. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit represents the character of Jesus. So if you want to be more like Jesus, you have to maintain that life connected to the Lord. You've got to have, have to have a healthy spiritual life. See, Judas did not. Judas did not have a healthy spiritual life. Judas had weaknesses that he didn't acknowledge. Judas fell into temptation, and that temptation was money. So let's look, look more clearly at his fall, because his fall was big time boom. Let's look at Matthew chapter 27. This is so sad. Here's this guy who was just handpicked by the, by the Savior of the world. Matthew 27, 1 through 5. Early in the morning, 
all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, had, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. Hey, what is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Tragic ending. Tragic ending. This man was handpicked by Jesus. He was living and serving with Jesus. Peter, James, John. He was a witness, first-hand witness of some incredible, just, just mind-boggling miracles. He had times to just kind of kick back and hang out with, with the Savior of the world. And this is how it ends. And matter of fact, his heart was so cold. If you know the story how Jesus was betrayed, is that the temple guards had to have a clear identification who Jesus was. So Judas said, I'm going to identify him by the kiss. And when Judas goes up to Jesus that night, he kisses him. And Jesus knew that he was betraying him. And it was so cold-blooded, this is what Jesus said. Judas! Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And how does he get to this point? I'm going to close by just saying two things. One, he didn't acknowledge his personal weaknesses. He gave in to his greed. He gave in to his love for money. And he gave a foothold to Satan. Number two, he didn't have a genuine love for the Lord. In other words, we don't even know if his mind even went that way. People, make sure you really have a genuine spiritual life. You know, coming here doesn't give you a genuine spiritual life. Coming here offers you opportunity to learn about the Lord and for you to choose and make those decisions to have that genuine spiritual life with the Lord. But it's gonna, it takes work, and it takes for you to seek after him. And when you do, he will keep you from falling. He will keep that inner person of you alive and well. See, this, what Judas did, it opened the way for what? Temptation and temptation. Sucked him down, dragged him down, and what happened to him? He, he went from what? You guys know it. He went from hero to zero. May that never happen to any of us. Let's pray. Father, as we look at the life of Judas, Lord, there are a lot of uh, lessons here. And Father, they speak to us in the 21st century because there's nothing new under the sun. We human beings and our human uh, carnality, Father, we battle with a lot of the same things that Judas did and everyone else in that time period. But Father, you also are the one who promises us and you're the one who is our victor. And so Father, help us to stay close to you. Help our hearts to be good and healthy. Help us, Father, to love you and to love you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.